Welcome to the Topic of Conversation with your host, Rob Scoggins, Jr. Hey, everybody out there. My name's Rob Scoggins. I'm the host of the Topic of Conversation. We are here every Wednesday night uh, for a new topic, a new conversation. We hope you join us every Wednesday night. Come down to the original Brooklyn's right here, 100 yards away from where the Broncos play. Uh, every week we have a different topic. You can find out on thetopicofconversation.com, or you can Google us, or you can find out uh, through uh, any, uh, any number of social medias, uh, Facebook and a bunch of other stuff, because Stephanie over there takes good care of that uh, for us. Uh, Original Brooklyn's is a great place. It's got free parking uh, all day long. It's, uh, it's, a block, it's a block away from, from light rail. It's a block away from the bus station. It's a wonderful place. And if you're planning an event or, or, or a convention, or you just want to have some friends and family come into town, Original Brooklyn's is a great place to, to get because they have a great uh, room upstairs. They have an incredible patio during the spring and summer and some of the fall. And, of course, their staff is bar none. We want to thank Di and Jimmy and all the gang here at the Original Brooklyn's for hosting us every Wednesday night for the topic of conversation. And, that's right, and don't forget uh, to visit us on SoundCloud. Don't forget to visit us on iTunes and all that good stuff. Uh, once the program is up, we've got a bunch of shows out there uh, that you can listen to and enjoy. Um, I also cannot do this without, uh, without my, my staff and the crew uh, for the show. They do an outstanding job and cannot thank them enough. Of course, uh, Stephanie over there, who does all our social media. She takes care of what's going on and the next topic's coming up, and she types it all out and puts it out there for everybody to know what, the, what's, what in the world is going on uh, with the show. And, of course, my director, producer, and also co-editor of the show, uh, Matthew Schiff, is over there uh, helping us out uh, every week and every night. And, of course, uh, my director, uh, director, what else does he do? Uh, director and uh, chief editor uh, and technical director, uh, technical director, chief editor, um, Matthew, uh, Matthew, sure. Will Hartman, thank you so much. <laughs> Messing that up. And uh, we just, uh, we, 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 I can't do it without these guys. They're incredible, dedicated staff. And you can, uh, you can uh, they're on Facebook, too, so make sure you find them if you want to talk to them about what's coming up on the shows uh, coming up soon. We also want to uh, uh, thank um, uh, Root Beer folks uh, from last week, Oscar Blues, for donating a bunch of Root Beer to give away to everybody uh, throughout the month of June. If you want to grab a Root Beer on your way out, grab one because it's, it's really good stuff. And you're welcome to uh, want a can, take one and take it home and enjoy it because you can buy it all over Colorado uh, here in the Denver metro area as well. So we want to thank Oscar Blues uh, for being on the show last week and also donating all the Root Beer uh, for the fans of the show. So thanks again for that. But tonight, the topic of conversation will be right. Will be business and, and how to start a business and business law and and you know people nowadays are just starting businesses. They're just getting on the web and going, "Hey, I'm a business." Uh, no, you're not really. Uh, you need to know some rules and regulations and other things. Uh, there's a lot of things to go into it. You can't just collect money and and the IRS will find you, especially if you're on social media. So believe me, they will. And we have one of the best. This this young man can practice in 12 states in the union. He's licensed in 12 states, which is incredible to begin with. Um, he went to University of Maryland for his law degree. He is a very bright man. He can also practice in the District of Columbia. And he's, he's written a great book, uh, which I, I, I hope you get. It's called Business Blunders, 10 uh, Dangerous Business Mistakes, and How to Protect Your Business So It Can Thrive. Um, we, uh, we are very lucky to have him. Uh, he, he's here visiting Colorado all the way from Texas. And we are very happy to have Mr. R. Sean McBride. Welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you? My pleasure to be here. We're so happy that you're here. Um, and we also want to thank uh, uh, Kim Tracy and, uh, and, and Max, uh, Max Vision, Max, Maxwell Vision. Maxwell James. James for helping us out. Well, she's eating her cud, eating her curds and whey. Um, <laughs> right? Eating your curds and whey? Yeah. <laughs> eating your curds and whey. That's all right. Uh, we thank you. We thank you. And um, let's talk a little about you, um, R. Sean McBride. Um, you have to be R. Sean McBride because there's there's another Sean, another McBride, Sean McBride out there, aren't yeah. there? Doing, he's not a lawyer, though. He's a speaker. He's a big speaker. And I speak a lot. So to, to sort out the branding, we started saying R. Sean McBride, right. much like Michael J. Fox. But he's a, he's a tall black man with an afro, right? I mean, that's yeah. not you. You're, not a, you're a white guy with, with no afro. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you had to distinguish the, between the two. And it's, but if you type it in Google until you look, <laughs> until you look at the picture, you you're may like, not I don't think so, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you. Where you, you you're born and raised in Maryland. Yes. And, and you, are, you, are you a big Orioles fan? Do you like the Orioles? I am an Orioles fan. Grew up and, watching Orioles. 
Now, were you there when the Colts were there? Of course you were. I was. Yeah. And it was very traumatic when the Colts left. It was, uh, I know. You're like, oh, man. We spent, we spent like seven years in Baltimore waiting for a football team. And it was almost every morning you would turn on the TV and local radio, local TV or news or whatever would be running things like, oh, the St. Louis Rams might move here. Oh. You know, we might get a team from here. There's an expansion draft. When Carolina and, and Jacksonville got it, Baltimore ran very late in that expansion draft and really, really wanted the team. And then you got the Browns. And then we got the Browns. And then you got the, the Browns came... Yes. revamped themselves, renamed themselves, win a yes. Super Bowl right. as the Ravens, not yes. so bad. Very soon afterwards. And that's, we got a little spoiled there, didn't you? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people in Baltimore, too, were like, why did Baltimore lose our name and then have to wait, you know, eight years for a football team? And Cleveland gets to keep their name and gets a football team in three years. But, um, and, the, and the Browns are named after the, uh, the previous owner. Right. It's just an interesting... Who left? Yeah, who left. <laughs> Doesn't seem really fair, does it? No. And, and Maryland, Maryland, the state of Maryland, while you were at school there, won the national championship. Yeah, in college basketball. Yeah, in college basketball. That's yep. big time. Go Terrapins, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. They have a unique mascot. They have a Terrapin, which is a snit, which is turtle. Right. Very slow animal. Yes. And then you have a flag. Yep. I mean, the sometimes state, you guys use oh, state yeah, flag. Oh, yeah, state of Maryland loves their state flag. <laughs> so, I, I, I debate so now living in Texas, whether it's the Texas flag or the Maryland flag that, yeah. you know, which, they're which, more which, proud of. But the Maryland flag has made a big entry now. They, yeah, they love their flag. Yeah. And uh, they love their turtles, too. Yeah. Do you know how I got the name turtles? I mean, I terrapins? Don't. I don't. Maybe they're just around. It, they are. At that region, particularly the D.C. region, you know, it's it very swampy historically. And well, all, that's so. probably what it was. Yeah. Well, we're, we're fascinated by your story and, and, how, um, and how it all happened. So, as a young man, did you know you wanted to be a lawyer? Did you say, I, this is something I want to do? I, wanna, I know, really want to be I in did, law? I didn't really, but a lot of people told me you should be a lawyer. It was interesting growing up. You know, really? I, I didn't really think of myself as a lawyer. I didn't know what I wanted to be, but people would be like, you should be a lawyer. You should be a lawyer. I always think of kids who are going to law, when they were younger kids, like when yeah. you're in grade school or high school, you read a lot. I mean, I would yeah. think a lawyer, that would be something that, that is absolutely you'd, you'd read a lot as a child. Right. You'd be interested in reading, you'd be interested in, you know, that type of stuff. And I got to admit, I wasn't a great student as a young child. My right. father would come home and drill me in math. So he, he, he got math. Uh, the English and the other things weren't as important to him, but he would give me supplemental math homework. So I would do my normal math homework, and I would do supplemental homework. So he knew you could fall back as, a, as a, an accountant. Right. That'd be a fallback job. Yeah. So th yeah. that's never happened, right? <laughs> that's happened. never going to happen, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I came out of high school. I was good at math and went to college and accounting. I like oh, business, good. I like business so I studied accounting. Accounting. That was, my, that was your that was, undergrad. That was my undergrad. That's perfect. And that's in Maryland. No, that was at Townsend. Townsend University, Townsend University. Just, yeah. uh, just north of Baltimore City, one of the University of Maryland schools. Yeah, good school. Now, when, uh, were you into law? Did you read like the, the, the suspense thrillers with lawyers? I mean, the firm wasn't out yet, was it? When you were, no, you, I don't the, think it was. But uh, did you read any of that, uh, those lawyer books, any of that stuff that you would, you know, I don't know. No, I, those... I heard the lore. You know, you'd see the TV. You'd watch, you know, Perry Mason. And oh, then, sure. You know, the courtroom TVs. Matlock. Uh, yeah, you know. Judge Wapner. Did you like that time? Was big. I did. I did like it, you know, but I didn't think it was me. But then I took, I went to study accounting and I started figuring out accounting. I wasn't going to be your standard auditor. You know, I didn't want to go in and just look at other people's papers all the time. Right. So at some point I said, well, that's not me. And I took a survey course in business law and it just, it just hit me. That did it. Yeah. I was like that. I, lo I love studying that. That's interesting. It's business. It's got some of the stuff and I get to use some of the accounting information. It just lined up. In big business, like in big business, I'm talking like you know, Enron and, mm -hmm. and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and these big, big companies. Why is it always the accountant that gets the shaft? Well, you know, it's both the accountants and the lawyers. Yeah. Gover they've struggled. These things, these terrible things happen. You know, you get Enron oh. happen or, you know, uh, and WorldCom had one of these WorldCom, happen. WorldCom, Freddie Mae, Freddie Mac, yeah, right. all that stuff. They'll happen and everybody's looking for where to point the finger, you know, yeah. and the auditor's job is to come in and review and make sure things are being done correctly. Now, if you read the auditor's statement at the beginning when they stick on front of the financials, very few people read it. It just says, this is management's financial statements. We're just coming in to express an opinion on whether it's fairly stated. They're, the auditor is not actually, it's not their financial statements, but when something bad happens, they often go back to the accountant and say, well, why didn't you catch that? You know, you should have, when you were doing your audit, you should have caught this problem, and now all of us lost this money. So it's just but, easy. But dear sir, I did catch it, but the CEO or president of the company said, don't catch it. Yeah, well, I, I don't know how much that happens. It's just a well... That's the movies I've seen. Yeah, I've seen a lot of movies. movies. I watch but, a lot but of a movies. But well, a well-done fraud is swept under the table, and they falsify the records, and, no. you know, the people don't know. So. And that's what happens. And that's what happens. Exactly. And it's not fair to you guys. No, it's not fair to you. You guys that. lose your practice, you lose your license, you lose your life. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and the CEO goes out with a golden parachute. Yeah, a lot of times they get a big payday. Yeah, so not fair, huh? Yeah. Do you do you agree with those practices for the golden? See, and, I, and I, the way the reason why I'm asking you this, Sean, you're you're a sports fan. You obviously yep. love University of Maryland. You loved football. Yep. You like baseball. Go Orioles, right? Yep. Yeah. So you're a football, you're a football, baseball, and sports guy. I'm a I'm a sports guy too, and I always relate things to sports because sports is life. Life is sports. And what I mean is, it's like Von Miller. He's asking yeah. for a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to use him as an right. example, right? I mean, it could be any sports athlete. He's just the one that's in the papers right now. He's asking for $60 million plus, yes. guaranteed, mm-hmm. before he's even gone on the field. He's basically telling the Broncos, I'm going to be healthy for the next seven years, six years, excuse me, yeah. for the next six years. I'm going to guarantee I'm going to be, I'm going to, what, what I want from Von Miller, he's, and what I want from Von Miller is he guarantees us the fans or, 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 or the Broncos. I'm going to remain healthy for six years. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to get emotionally sick of this game. I'm not going to get emotionally strawed if I marry a woman and she takes all my money. I'm not going to get injured. I'm not going to to want to trade. Guarantee me that, and we'll give you $70 million. But these athletes won't do that, and neither will CEOs. And CEOs do the same thing. They go into this company, and I'm sure you've dealt with it. They go into this company. They ask for, I, I need $120 million guaranteed. And I'll be your CEO for seven years. Yep. And if something happens, I need $40 million and I'll leave without suing you. Yeah. It, it's, it's a very tricky Do you balance. see the parallels there? Yes, yeah. I see the parallels. And they definitely are there. And I've dealt with this in the smaller scale. Now okay, yeah, of course, of course. Of course. You know, when I was working for large law firms for the first 10 years of my legal career, you know, we, you know, we deal with this stuff on a high level. Now I deal with it with smaller companies. The, the tricky balance is this. You know, a skilled CEO that's been running other companies or whatever, they're, they're going to leave a job. Much like a football player's got to leave one team to join the other. You can only average, average life of a CEO is seven years. Average right. life of a football player is three. Right. Unless you're a quarterback. Right. You can only have one job at a time. Correct. So a lot of the CEOs will make the argument, well, if I'm going to move to this other company and leave my current pay package, leave where I'm comfortable, I need to make sure I'm going to get paid. And, you know, if I get unemployed as a CEO... That unemployment might be a long period of time, so they want to build this thing. But from the company side, you got a problem because if that CEO comes in there and just sits and doesn't perform, you've got a problem. So you've got to really be careful. And I talk to my clients about this when I'm working with them. How do we make sure that the pay package is fair? It gives right. the person that has this great skill the pay. But how do we make sure they're going to do the job too? You almost become the role of the agent. Yeah. Uh, in, in 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 the in the um in the in the talking of, of the pay of the pay plan for your CEOs. Right. Like an agent would talk to the teams for their player. Yeah, I've been on both sides. I've been on the CEO side and I've been on the company side, depending on which client and which situation. I can only be on one side. Who s- usually wins? It's a negotiation. Is you it? all know who's gonna win, you know, and I always say, you know, negotiation's interesting. The person that the person that can't walk away always loses. I always tell people that, right? So you have to have a walk. It's away. not the person who talks first. It's not, you know, I always think of casinos. When I think right. of big business, I always think of casino, house always wins. Yeah. So that means business trumps person. No, Business I, trumps CEO. I've certainly seen CEOs get some attractive packages. If really? They, if they go in there with the right message and the company gets all excited and they feel like they have to have that CEO, again, if you can't walk away from negotiations, you don't have an alternative, then you're going to overpay. I want you to finally answer this question for all the listeners. This was the biggest question of the 250,000 people who listened to us. This is the biggest question. Can you be a CEO if you're not a publicly traded company? Can you be a CEO? Can you, can you have the title CEO if you're not a publicly traded oh, company. Oh, yes. People use that all the time. Okay. We see, we see companies with one person in them, and people will label themselves so as CEO. CEO. Yeah. yeah. Um, does that bother you as a professional? I think you, it, it may be a little misleading. You know, I don't like no. to mislead people. And certainly when you have somebody who's got you know, a one-person company and they're selling cupcakes and they call themselves CEO, and technically they can under the law, but is that really... Is it better to call themselves president, governor, or founder, or creator? You can pick, you know, you and pick if I like those, presidents, it's, that's I good. Like president. That's kind of a, appropriate for the size of a, of a smaller company that's yeah. not publicly traded or something. Yeah. You know, that might be a good title to pick. And you young people that are listening to us, CEO stands for Chief uh, Executive officer. officer. And there's a bunch of O's, too. There's Chief Financial Officer, there's Chief uh, Operating Officer, mm-hmm. and there's Chief, what's another, Technical in- Officer? Information Officer. Information te- Officer, technical, technical Officer. Yep. Is that it? Oh, 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 oh. Is there an oh, oh, oh? Oh. No. That's no. <laughs> that funny if there was. Yeah. I'm the O-O-O. <laughs> I'm the, the oh-my-God-something-happened-bad yeah. officer. No. Um, but no, those are, those are some of the labels that are given out in big business. Is, um, when it comes to defending these people, and, and like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on your side, but not on your side when it comes to CEOs, because I, you know. Mm. Um, 
some CEOs get a, a golden parachute, and a lot of people don't understand that. We only see it at the end. Right. We only see it at the very end of these people's career when they're getting fired, and we see it on ABC and NBC and CNN and MSNBC and CNBC. All these companies are saying, uh, this person just got fired, but they're leaving with $40 million. Right. Von, Miller is, Von Miller is being fired, but he's leaving with $60 million. Um, wow. I mean, people just look at that and go, how is that? Even humanly possible. When I get fired, or a human, a regular average human, yeah. ah, funny guys. When 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 a average human gets fired, they don't get anything. They get little. They get whatever we owe you, and we'll give you a little cobra thing, sure. and you're gone. Yeah. How do CEOs get away with it? I think it's it's market. It's supply and demand. These people have skill sets. They've got a board of directors that's going to pay for it. It's the Von Miller. I mean. It is. You don't want to give Von Miller $60 million if he leaves and don't hire him. But then Correct. you're like, but we want him to play for our team. We want that skill. We want him to tackle people, you know? He's, he's, he's one of the best at it. Yeah. Right. So we've got to find a way, right? Exactly. And these CEOs, I mean, some of them, some of the big, bigger, higher companies are paying astronomical amounts for these people. Are they paying for a relationship that the CEO has with just by being an older person? Because what if it's a CEO who's young? Mike Zuckerberg. Right. Mike Zuckerberg, he obviously... A different, a different, a different approach, and I'm, I may be skewing the conversation a little bit, and I apologize. But Mike uh, uh, Zuckerberg, uh, CEO of Facebook, mm-hmm. he didn't have that many contacts. Not many people liked him. Right. I mean, he was kind of a jerk. Um, uh, you know, but he and, had technical. But skill. he had technical skills, and he did surround himself with people who, who, who could help him. Right. But when it comes to when it comes to other CEOs who are starting a company, mm-hmm. um, they're not always likable people. No, they're not always, and they're usually known to be tough people. And there's even, you know, and, and different CEOs fit in different buckets. You know, some companies will hire, you know, a CEO to come in and restructure a company. And there, there are CEOs that make their career moving from company to company to company. When a company gets struggling, they come in, they restructure it. They're the horrible guy. Everybody gets upset. Then they make the company profitable again. Then they move on. So sometimes those type of CEOs will want a golden parachute because they know they're in for a two, three, four year job. And they want to make sure they get paid on the back end. When so they, they already know how long they're going to stay. Some of them do. Yeah. Really? Depending on the situation. Especially yeah. if they're doing a buyout or going to gobble right. up somebody else. There used to be a guy or... named Chainsaw Al, and he would come in. That was his Chainsaw whole thing. Al yeah. is his name? Yeah, well, that's what they called him. He was a CEO, and he, he restructured several companies over the years. He would come in. Was this in the 80s or 90s? or recent? 80s, 90s, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he'd come in, he'd fire a bunch of people and uh, get the company profitable again, restructure it, and everybody hated him. And then, but the company would turn profitable again, and he'd leave, and he'd go do it to another company. Wow. If he had a company that was struggling, the board of directors would go out and say, well, let's bring this guy in because he's done it to two or three other companies. Now he's got a track record of success. I'm Rob Scoggins. You're listening to the Topic of Conversation. We're talking to our Sean McBride about uh, business law and about starting a business and knowing your business and CEOs and how all this big business stuff works. A lot of us average people don't know this, so this could really help you out uh, in learning uh, how, to, how to create your business and how to structure your business. So we'll talk about that uh, coming up. But you know, when it comes to, when it comes to starting a business... Everybody wants one. Everybody thinks they can do it. Sure. Okay? And um, obviously, you have to have a structure. First thing, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have something. You know, what am I? Absolutely. You know, what, what, what the company is. Yep. Pick, an, pick an arbitrary company that you've helped. Let's just, let's just go through one of yours. And you can use your book, too, if you yeah, want. Yeah, let's, well, let's, let's just talk about a manufacturing company. Okay, let's right? do a manufacturing company. Yep. Sounds good. Yep. Okay, uh, what are we manufacturing? What um, are we doing? I don't want to give my clients confidence away, so I'm going That's to kind fine. of parallel sure, it. Of but, course. you know, let's say we're manufacturing some kind of light industrial product, something that's custom tailored. So the client, they, they, they inventory some stuff from a bigger supplier, but when the client calls in, they customize something okay. for their particular needs. Sounds good. Now, am I, is it, is this location, like in, like in real estate, we've had a couple of real estate yeah. people on the past uh, on shows. Is it location, location, location? I mean, do you need to be in Texas? Do you need to be in a bigger state? You need to be in a state that has better taxes, or does it does it really matter? Depends on what you're doing. You know, um, kind of one client that's in the back of my head now that we're drawing the parallels from. They do national, so they like being in Texas because they're kind of splitting the baby. They're halfway across the country. Sure. Denver's another city that you know, big airport hub. You know, you're not all the way to the west coast. You're not all the way. You're not on the east coast. Sure. So you, you're central, so you can get stuff throughout the country. Uh, that's sometimes a consideration. If you're doing national business, you probably want to be somewhere central so you're not on one side or the other. Mm. Uh, but it depends on your market. depends on what you're doing. A lot of businesses become very good at one thing in one particular market. So, of course, you want to be in that location. So. Agree or disagree, the most important thing is startup and money. I mean, you have to have some sort of structure in your startup. Yes. Meaning some sort of, you know, hey, I'm a smart guy. I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, believability in your product yep. and money. Yeah, well, I mean, money is... in fact, if you talk to investors that go to the venture capital, the people that you know, typically put that second round of money into a company as a company's growing, 
those venture capital people tell you the main thing they're looking at is the management team. Then they look at the business. So the plan. people. The people. Okay. They want they want people that they think can who make are it healthy happen. and not that, dying on them. Not healthy, not dying, and they can make it happen. Do they ha have they built another company? Did they work for a company that was successful? Have they shown the things that give them an indication that they're going to build it? And I've talked to these investors, and they'll say, "Well, yeah, I'm going to look at the business plan. I'm going to look at what they're doing, but that company may change because that's part of business, right? You right. start start one direction, you find out your customers want you to go a different direction. Sure. You start going that different direction. Can your management team evolve with that? You know, so it's almost most invest. A lot of investors will tell me it's more important to have the right management team than to have the right business plan. Wow, yeah. that's a good thing to know. Yeah. Now, when it comes to let's say we're going back to the manufacturer, mm -hmm. back, back to the manufacturer sure. thing that we're doing. Um, if it if it takes, you know, what is it? What's the average startup for a manufacturing company? What how much money do they really need to really get things going? I mean, obviously. Yeah. You're going to be doing some, you know, maybe not using United States, you know, work workforce. You might be doing it overseas. Right. Really, what does it take? Well, it depends on what you're manufacturing. So you're going, to, you know, you're going as in the role of a manufacturer, you're going to end up having to buy your stuff from your supplier in advance. You're yeah. going to have to warehouse it somewhere, right? You're going to have a building. You're going to have to have security on that building. You're going to have to have probably shelves in there, equipment to move the stuff around. Then of course you've got your manufacturing line. You're going to have various processes there. And then you're going to have finished inventory because at some point you're going to have that product before you ship it to your customers. And some customers are going to make large orders. So you've got to pile up a bunch of this before you go. So manufacturing is very capital intensive. Wow. You've got to have enough to rent the building or buy the building, buy the raw materials, run it all the way through your process, and hold it until your customer pays you. And a lot of your customers are going to ask for you know, terms where they're going to pay 30, 60, or 90 days after you ship it to them. Sure. So you've got money tied up for a very long time. You do. And you have a big loan out there. Yeah, we're we talking thirty million dollars, something like that. Depends on what kind of business. Really right? depends, yeah, I mean, but like, we're talking millions of dollars. We're not talking chump change to start these things. We're not talking unless you're, you know, let's say you're manufacturing charm bracelets in your basement. You sure. could probably do that for less <laughs> than thirty million. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because I'm pretty sure the I'm pretty sure the Live Strong are pretty much you know in demand right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so let's give those away. No, but um, yeah, so we're talking millions of dollars to start something like this. Really. Yeah, I mean, of yeah. any scale, yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that's a brick and mortar business, mm -hmm. and that's a huge business to start. Yep. And we're we're talking the structure. This is it. Now, millennials. I mean, and we're not gonna I'm not gonna stereotype a generation, but they think they just press a button on a, on an internet and they got a business because of what Mark Zuckerberg has done, right. what LinkedIn has done, what all these people have done. Yep. You know, you're offering, you're you're working on humans' ego. Yes. I mean, you're working off the human ego to to put your face out there and and market it. Right. Now. When it comes to just starting a company, and let's just start with, I don't know, eBay. Uh -huh. Okay, uh, eBay started, and he just said, "Look, uh, no, let's go. Let's not do eBay, guys. That's too complicated. Let's do Craigslist. Yep. Um, Craigslist. Start an online. When he's in the Castro district, goods on there. Starts selling his friend's stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, here, here, here. Do it here in San Francisco. And they were like, "Wow, I could do this somewhere else. I can do somewhere. It's, it's basically a garage sale online." Yes. And how he makes money, folks, how Craig List, how Mr. You know, Craig is his name, and his staff, which I think is still less than 20, how they make their money is through, you're going to pay me $25 to put an ad on here for something. Right. Correct? Yeah. Is that the easiest way to start a business? I mean, that's, I mean, if you can get somebody to start paying you revenue from the beginning, that's a much better business model, right? It's, yeah. it's easier to start growing it. So. But it's not really a model. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just like, here. Yeah. There, well, there's just careful balance between having a business plan and over planning. Oh, I you like know? that. Yeah, and you need to think about that. I, I encourage all of my clients to know what they want to do, what they think they're going to commercialize, how it's going to work, but then I caution them against over planning because you can you can get caught up in the minutia and you're planning every little detail. So is, it, is this guy named Craig came over to you, yeah, Marshawn McBride, right, and said, "Hey, I need a lawyer. Can you come see me? You practice in California. Come see me. I know I know you don't, yeah. but you could." And he says, "Look, I need to help. I'm going to start this online garage sale." Sure. Would you be like, I don't think that's going to work? Have you ever yeah. denied anybody's help? Have you ever like, I don't know. That's kind of far-fetched. I'm not sure if I can help it, you. Me as a lawyer, I don't want to tell them yes or no on their business plan because there's been a lot of crazy stuff that's made money. You know, we had the pet rock back in the 60s. Sure. Know, and we had the hula hoop in the 50s. Right. I mean, some of these things have made ridiculous money. And, um, you know, like WhatsApp, which is the modern example, these guys set this application up where you can message with multiple people and then they get bought out by one of the big ones for some huge yeah. multiple. You know, it happens. And sometimes these small ideas, Craigslist. I mean, if you looked at Craigslist, up, Facebook. You know, if you looked Facebook, at Facebook before, yeah. now of course, looking in the rearview mirror, you're like, like oh yeah. yeah, it's great, it's wonderful. And but but all he did, all he did, is put Friendster 
and and my and my face my my face my space together. Yeah, well, that's all of, it is. Well, a lot of people. It's not a. It's a it's of, just two different a, things. A lot of times, the businesses that make really big money aren't something incredibly different or incredibly innovative. They've just taken two ideas from two different areas and married them in the right way. Right. But the problem is, you know, as an investor or as a person that's advising somebody on a startup, it's hard to know what the market's going to accept. You've got to really feel the market out. Um, so I'm not one to tell somebody no on their plan because it sounds crazy because it might work. What I want to know is, do you have a real plan? Have you thought about how much this is going to cost? Have you, you know, investigated how much server space and how much, you know, hosting fees you're going to have? Have you really looked into doing the details to make sure that you can at least give this thing an honest try? Because a lot of people fall down in the fact they've got this plan, they think something sounds great, but they forgot all the details. Right. They're or they're trying to reinvent the machine. They're trying to reinvent a, a different type of Facebook. Or they're right. trying to uh, reinvent a different type of Craigslist or or Amazon or mm -hmm. or eBay or something like that. And you're like, yeah. that's being done right now, and it's being done quite well. Um, is it good when a an a dot com gets publicly traded, or is that bad? So now Facebook is publicly traded, eBay yeah. is publicly traded, Amazon is too. Right. Is that a good thing for a company? Is that where you really want to be? Well, a lot of people love, you know, that's a, that's kind of the American dream, you know, and it provides liquidity. The problem we have with a lot of companies is when they're private. They don't have a lot of liquidity, and you often end up with an owner of, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or or, or such, or Bill Gates. They got all their wealth in that one company. Yeah, and that's a problem because that person's illiquid. And you hear these stories. There was a CEO that presented a, an event that I was at, and he he told a story of how a week before he went public, he was at McDonald's and he was checking how much credit limit he had so he could buy his son a McDonald's meal. And then the next week he makes like and he gets a check for like you know ten million dollars because his company went public. But that's how <laughs> tight he was running his finances before sure. that IPO happened. The IPO is usually a big liquidity event. It allows that management team to start selling their shares, diversify, get all their money out of that company. But it's liquid assets. It's not. It's not real. I mean, is it real? It usually is. Re usually in an IPO, if you make your company that size and you're able to get the investors behind you and bring in this fresh investment money, usually the management team takes some money off the table. The investors don't want them to walk away. The investors don't want Mark Zuckerberg to no longer own any of Facebook. They understand part of the deal is Facebook. You know, Mark Zuckerberg's getting a big check on that day they do their IPO, and that's mm -hmm. his that's his upside. And and Facebook makes money by selling advertisements on everybody's site. Yeah. And you know, we we have given Mark Zuckerberg, and if you never read the fine lines of Facebook, you have given them the right to basically use your image and everything else and. Nobody cares because they want to post things about their lives and right. put it out there. And then they're, they're concerned about privacy. I'm like, really? Exactly. I mean, that's your trade-off when you're using Facebook. They're collecting data about you. And you know, an advertiser on there can do these highly scientific targeted yeah. advertising. Google say, does it now. I want these people at this age group and this demographic live in this part of town. Facebook will sell you access to them. And guess what? You're the one being sold. I'm on Amazon. Okay. I'm on Amazon. I'm typing, I'm typing, I'm looking at stuff. And then um, I Google it, you know, I Google it, and then when I'm on my Facebook page, there it is. It's being trying to be sold to me. Yes. That watch that I was just looking at, or that car, or that dealer, you know, I'm like, whoa, how did? Bleh. And no one thinks twice about it. They're like, how do they know? I mean, it's exactly what you've been looking at. It's exactly what you've been, you know, you're the target. That's your target audience. Is, you know, watches. I get a lot of watch, uh, yes. a lot of watch ads on my Facebook, and they know, and right. no, and no one thinks twice about it. No. Well, you, you click the button, you like something watch-related, or you did these cookies. You know, there in the case you were talking about, that's a simpler yeah. case. You're out searching for something, and they're collecting that data and transferring it over. Of course, then when you get on Facebook, they show you an ad for the thing you thought you were going to buy. Right. And when you buy a car, and I've seen people buy cars, and they say, please take your dealer. Can you please take the dealer sticker off? Because I don't want to advertise for you. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you ever called Facebook and said, can you please take these advertisers off my Facebook page? I don't want to advertise for you. Right. I mean, it's the same thing, but people just don't think that way. They think the web is just, I don't know what people think of the web, yeah. but they think of it as, as something that is just, you know, omnipresent. It's just, it's just, it's just not, it's kind of fake, not real. Right. But we get a lot of information from the web nowadays. Yeah, and, then, and that's the big thing now is what they call big data. You're collecting all these little pieces of data from all these people, and then you're aggregating it, and then you're figuring out what the trends are and what people need and what, you know, and, and now people are trying to anticipate what people want before they say they want it. Yeah. And as a lawyer, do you, do you ever go on someone's Facebook page to, to learn about the company and learn about things? Or do you just go on face value when you're, when you're talking to them? No, uh, you know, it depends on the situation. But yeah, that's, that's a big thing now. I mean, you want to do some investigation. A lot of people are using that as background information. And if they have uh, pictures of them in bikinis or in, or in uh, banana suits, they, you're like, I, I don't know if I can rep you. I mean, yeah, does lot, Facebook give a representation? 
a representation of that person. Yeah, you learn a lot. I mean, and employers are using it certainly in hiring. A they lot are. Of times I know they are searching, and they're you know, let's see what this person's social media profile looks like. You know, are they sitting there holding beers every weekend, or you know, are they, uh, are they, you know, does it look like they're you know doing something that's a more positive activity? You know, if you see somebody holding a, ch- a funnel and chugging it, you know, it may not be the person perfect employee. Sure. Let's go back to Mark Zuckerberg because it's a good it's a good analogy uh, of what's going on in the world. When you say liquid money, let's say let's say, and I'm, I don't know what Mark's worth these days because it fluctuates. Let's just say fifteen billion dollars. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and I really don't care. How much of that is real money? I mean, how much could he go? Could he go to the bank and whatever whoever is his bank and say, "I need you to write me a check for fifteen billion dollars"? I mean, the bank would go, "Oh, right, here you go." No, it's not all liquid. You know, somebody like a Mark Zuckerberg, you know, a large portion of his wealth is tied to shares of Facebook. So that that money is. It's based on whatever that stock value is on that day, right? It's trading on a market. Right. It's moving up and down. It's paper money. Now, some portion, you know, like when Mark Zuckerberg took Facebook public, he got a big check. That money is liquid. He deposited that in an account somewhere. He may have reinvested it. And what was that, $150 million or something? I mean, some, or more I think it, it may have been a couple billion. I okay. can't remember. A couple billion. I think it was but, $2 billion. Yeah, I think you're but, right. But, the, but, but that's, that's his real money. He that's has real that. money. He can, he can go, he play go buy a that. car with it, buy a house, whatever he wants yeah, to do. Yeah, buy an island. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that's real money. But a lot of it's tied that in the company. And guess what? The investors probably don't want Mark, Mark Zuckerberg to sell all of his shares in Facebook. They want him to keep his skin in the game of and course. still be invested side by side with him. So. It's, it's money that's not real at the moment because you can't really use it. So his net worth that we see flashed all over the news is not really what he's got in the bank. That's not what he can go out and write a check for tomorrow. But he could, he's basically, he's a billionaire, but $2 billion, $3 billion maybe. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Usable. Okay, usable and, money. And, and then, you know, 10, 15 years from now, if he wants to step down as the CEO of Facebook, he might be able to cash out the rest of it, you know. And then he could have all that money in, in real cash. In your professional opinion, do you see Facebook lasting another 10 years? You know, we're gonna have to see. It's they've they've done a great job they of evolving. Really I'm really have. impressed. Um, you know, that's usually the thing. A company stays in their model too long. MySpace, they just stagnated. They didn't right. evolve. Facebook's jumping into everything. I mean, now they're playing with virtual reality. You see, they're and they can do it live. Yeah, yeah, they've done the live feed because mm-hmm. you know I think they saw the Periscope and the other people were starting to get in. And they they did it. Well, don't you think that Facebook is just trying to put other people out of business? They're trying to put you know YouTube out of business by going live, and they yeah. tried to put. They've tried to put Twitter out of business by having Messenger. Well, I mean, are they really recreating anything or just making it easier for the consumer? They're bringing it all together in one platform. And this, this brings up an interesting point with a startup. You, know, you have this great idea. Let's say you're the person who came up with something like Periscope. Hey, I'm going to let people stream something Explain live. what Periscope is to people okay, so, that, so that Periscope is a technology where basically you download an app on your phone, and then you can go live, and you start broadcasting it. And anybody who's interested in whatever you're doing, they can search you, your friends can find you, and they can watch you live on your phone. It's a, you know, it's a real-time video thing that allows you to get out to a lot of people. Well, then Facebook came up with something, Facebook Live, so now you can click a button in Facebook, you start recording your video, and all your friends can see you. Sure. Well, they can what? tune in, right? Yeah, guess what? Well, Facebook's got everybody already on Facebook. Now they start offering this feature. Now, why would you leave Facebook to go do this Periscope application? Sure. It's now integrated into Facebook, which raises the point for the startup. Or why go to Vine and do the seven-second video? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're a startup and you have this great idea, and we hear this a lot, if you start commercializing that great idea and it seems like a great idea, guess what? A lot of times the majors are going to come in and do something very similar and crush you. Like everybody trying to beat up on Coca-Cola when they first started. Yeah, Coca-Cola started. Everybody's trying to, you know, I want to. T- we can we can do that taste. We can get that, and they can't. Right, they can't get the taste. Coca-Cola's got a very unique formula, and they've protected it through through secret. Basically, they, there's only a handful of people in the world that know the formula to Coca-Cola, and they've got it locked down, and nobody else can copy that formula. That's a unique case. A lot of times, these technologies, you start seeing something work, and the big players, Facebook, and all them are monitoring, and they're like, a lot of people are signing up for that Periscope thing. Let's put something similar on our page so that they don't go use that thing. There are good CEOs out there. Look at the cast of Shark Tank. Look at uh, Bill Gates. Look yeah. at you know Steve Jobs for the most part. You know Zuckerberg for the most part. Yeah. Uh, very good CEOs. Very good you know owners. Uh, or or you know yeah. obviously Bill Gates has, has given up his CEO ship, right. but he's he's still involved uh, very much. They just bought LinkedIn. You know. Sure. So I mean there are good CEOs out there, but man, we hear so many sleazy. Yeah, sleazy people out there who yep. are, you know who get ugh, make CEOs look like a bad thing, and 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 of course not just that, not just the CEOs looking bad, but they, there's also the ones you know you see on television and the movies and Hollywood hates seems to hate CEOs. Yeah, it really. But depends. they make them look bad. Why? 
depends on the role. I mean, let's think about a Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, he's brought something to everybody that tons of people use. I mean, I'm a Facebook user. I'm on there. and I, I think everybody in the room is. Yeah. yeah, almost everybody is these days, right? And then it lets me interact with my friends. You know, it created something of value. We talked about the advertising earlier. You know, query whether that's a neat thing. But for the advertisers, it allows them to get to their customers. It works. He's created something of great economic value. It um, took me 30 days, but I eventually bought the watch. And I bought it through the Facebook ad. There you go. And, you know, Microsoft has brought a software that made an IBM computer much more usable. I mean, I'm old enough that I used to do DOS, and it was not fun. You know, typing typing in line commands, you know, go to the E drive and then type this command. So these CEOs have created something great value. I think where people get upset is when people abuse it. You know, I think people think it's fair that Bill Gates maybe made a lot of money because he did something neat and he helped a lot of people and he created something of value. Then when you watch a CEO who abuses their power and then, you know, Enron situation and, you know, destroys employees' life savings and their retirement plans, people have a right to be angry. And you look at Bill Gates as an, as a, as an, you know, as a, not an, and what's the word I'm looking for, as a person who gives away money, what's that called? Uh, uh, a philanthropist. philanthropist. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. Mark Cuban, incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even Zuckerberg, incredible what he's doing with their money. Mm-hmm. They're doing good things. And people don't, they don't get, the news doesn't talk about that much. You don't see that on CSNBC or, no. or MSNBC or even the, even the national networks. Right. Um, you just don't see that anymore, and you need to. They need to do that. Yeah. We need to start a good news, good news uh, network right. where a, people actually know what these people are doing with their good yeah, money. A lot of them have done that, you know, and that's a tradition that went back, you know, on a couple hundred years now. You know, the, a lot of the railroad tycoons, early oil, the Rockefellers, et cetera, they, they were encouraged to do this, and they all started doing it. It was very interesting. They were all very competitive to build these businesses, and then they all got very competitive about their charitable causes, Carnegie Mellon and these kind of people have all gone out and spent, you know, a lot of their money giving back to the community. Now we're seeing it in the modern era, and this is a great thing. You know, people have accumulated this massive wealth, and they're looking to support their causes. It really is. When we come back after the break, um, everybody loves lists. I love lists. We love countdown lists. We listen to the top 40 every week. If you listen to the music, and there's country top 40, the top 40 pop music, all that good stuff. We love the list shows when they talk about lists. Guess what? Our Sean McBride is going to go through his list, his table of contents on how... Uh, a business and the mistakes you might make uh, in starting years. So when we get back after the break, we're going to do that. I'm Rob Scoggins. You're listening to the Topic of Conversation. We're right here at Live and in Denver, Colorado. We'll be back right after the break. Thanks. And we're back. Uh, welcome back. I'm Rob Scoggins. I'm your host of the Topic of Conversation. We are here live in Denver, Colorado, 100 yards away from where the Broncos play. And we're at the original Brooklyn's every Wednesday night, so we hope you get a chance to join us down here. Find us on uh, thetopicofconversation.com or on TuneIn, or uh, not tune, yeah, TuneIn, and on uh, a SoundCloud. And of course, you can always find us and like us on Facebook at the Topic of Conversation. We hope you do that uh, while you're listening and while you're having a good time with all the shows. There's a lot of great shows out there that we've done uh, that we're in our fourth season, believe it or not. We're having a lot of fun. And of course, we want to thank uh, the original Brooklyn's for hosting us. If you're looking for a party, or having something done in Denver, just a reunion or anything, they are a great place to have a party. They've got free parking all over the place. Back in the back, they're a block away from, um, from uh, Light Rail and the bus station. Of course, you can stop here, go to the, go to the ball game uh, downtown by taking Light Rail, have a light bite here at Brooklyn's, and then go to the game. And of course, uh, Original Brooklyn's also offers uh, a lot of fun for Super Bowl games, too. They have a great patio, a great upstairs, so check them out um, during your time here in Denver, Colorado, if you come and visit us. Uh, once again, the topic of conversation tonight is law and is business and is starting a business and, and just learning what CEOs do in the real world and, and how dot-coms become dot-coms and how all this other stuff in the world of business has changed so much. And now we're going to learn some of the things that you may do as big mistakes, our business mistakes. Um, our Sean McBride, a, a lawyer from uh, Texas, but he got his law degree and undergrad from uh, schools in Maryland, the University of Maryland, great school, go Terrapins. Uh, he is here, and he's, he can practice law in 12 different states and in, in, in the District of Columbia. He is here tonight, and we are talking about this and having a great conversation with Arshan McBride. Welcome back. How Thank are you. you? Good. Having a good time? Yes, it's good. wonderful. So you do you have a little, it's basically a list. Here yes. it is. I mean, I love lists. Lists are so easy, and, and, they're un, it, and it's friendly. It's a friendly book. It's got cartoons in it. It's got cartoons and thank in it. you for that, because you know, that helps me. Well, you know, people, people get scared <laughs> of this stuff. You they know, do. As a business owner, it's yeah. scary. You know, you've got a lot of stuff to think about. I want to make something approachable, yeah. and, you know, what we've applied here is our experience. This is stuff, stuff we've seen come up all too often with our clients, little blocking and tackling things. You know, you'll talk to... Von Miller or your MBA stars, and they'll tell you we got to start with the fundamentals. We got to practice, you know, our line drills. We got to do our basic running. You know, we're going to do blocking and tackling and catching. 
start with fundamentals. This is your fundamentals, and this is your checklist to make sure you're doing all your fundamentals. It's an easy book to read. Uh, you can, you, we'll tell you how to get it in just a moment, but let's go through it real quick. Um, the title of the book, if you want to Google it now, is uh, Business Blunders, 10 Dangerous Business Mistakes and How to Protect Your Business So It Can Thrive by R. Sean McBride. Um, so let's go, let's go through it. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, pretty simple to go through a list. Uh, the first one is plan or uh, change. You go ahead and read it. Yeah, plan for change in partnerships or owners. And this is going to happen in your business. You know, if you've got more than one person involved, if you've got that investor come in, two or three people working together, guess what? Your partners are going to change at some point. People may die. You know, they may leave. Get disinterested. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they might leave for a different interest. They, they may, you may need to bring new owners in. It's going to happen in Yoko the Yoko Ono may come in and take a member out? Right, exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> the ownership of your... It could yeah, happen. No, it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your owner's going to change over time. It's going to evolve. Yeah. You may as well plan now and understand your business is going to be an evolving thing. It's going to exist separate from the owner. So and you may, you may go check out. I mean, you may say, you may be like Bill Gates and say, look, I've done as much as I can do. Now I want to go do this. And you guys keep going. Use yes. my name, whatever, but I'm going to go do this. Life changes, Life values changes. change. And we see age, you age. You know, too, yeah. People age, they change their views, some family event happens. For some reason, they want to change the business. So you may as well prepare now and understand that's going to happen. Yeah. And then next one? Next one is uh, keep great records. <laughs> this will pay people money later. A lot of people don't spend enough time record keeping. You know, basic, keep all your contracts in one place. Update your contracts every year with your suppliers. Because sometimes it's getting situations where, you know, terms get outdated. It's going to pay money if you go sell your business. And now in quotes, do you think they should put, uh, it's a great thing, you know, it, it pays, it pays uh, dividends, but don't always keep everything digital. Don't, don't back up things with handwritten stuff too, right? Well, you've don't got to keep have, everything on your computer. People do that. You've got to and have they got to do backups, right? right? If you're going to keep it on your computer, you want to keep it backed up. And then you've got to think about, you know, the cloud versus local storage and there's benefits, pluses and minuses. But no matter what, if you're going to keep your records, whether it's physical paper or online, you should have a backup in some way, shape, or form. Because it'll pay off. It will pay off. Next. Next step is understand securities offerings. This is one that comes up all too often. People don't understand that if you're running a small company and you're offering stock to people, that may be considered a securities offering. Yeah. And guess what? You know, A lot of companies get burned on this. And if that investor that came in when you did a securities offering decides they want their money back, you didn't pay for it, right? They can probably get their money back. Seriously? Yeah. No way. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people will do that. You know well, people will do that. Well, a smart securities lawyer that's representing that investor after the fact is going to come back and say, well, did you put your paper to work together correctly? Or all the dies, all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed? And they start finding out. And they're going to say, well, guess what? Give me my money back because you didn't do your securities offering. Like, so correctly. you really want a lawyer or someone on your team who's annual attentive and makes sure all that it's it, done. Yeah, you got to do it correctly. You, yeah. there, there's a lot of securities exemptions out there. There's a lot of ways to offer money, but you got to comply with them. You got to do them correctly. So you need somebody that knows. And you rules. do that. That's one of the things, That's one do things you do. Yes. Right. And then um, next, protecting intellectual property. Oh, you yeah. got to figure out what your intellectual property is. We talked earlier about Facebook, all that advertising money. Yes. Guess what? Part of their intellectual property is collecting that data on you, collecting that customer base, knowing who their customers are. How are you protecting that? How are you making sure other people aren't getting to it? So we encourage people to think about Really, what is your intellectual property? It's not just your name. It's not just your logo. It may be your customer list. It may be some software. You know, what are you doing that's unique and different, and how are you protecting it so that, so that whatever value you're creating in your business, whatever's sellable, is yours? Tell them the name of your law firm and, and what you, and, and real quick, just so that they want to Google it right now sure. as we're going through this, they can. Yeah, our law firm is the R. Sean McBride Law Firm, PLLC, McBrideAttorneys.com. And there it is. Okay. And then uh, number five. Number five, plug those leaks. You want to make sure you understand where your risk points are. You want to understand how money might go out of your business and make sure you have a plan in place. And so this is, this is basically talking about um, where your money's going, right? I mean, yeah. or, or how your money's being used. Is that correct? Exactly. So you need to know where it's going, how it's being used, and all the good stuff. Right. Make sure there's not, a, there's not risk points or things that you aren't covering. Somebody, you know, cooking the books. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Checking your books every month, every week. Right. I mean, I check my credit. I probably check my credit, you know, every ninety days, maybe. Yeah, good somewhere in there. Good controls, you know. And on a business, you you want to be, especially for a CEO that's not paying as much attention to it day to day. You want to make sure you have good employees and good procedures in place that somebody doesn't rip you off. Yeah, too busy on the golf course, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, don't want to do that. Okay, number six. Number six. Know where your exits are. Plan to exit your business. 
how are you leaving the business? You're going to leave your business in one way, shape, or form, right? Whether to an heir, to an heir, or selling it, right, or dissolving it. It is going to happen, right? You know, it may be a long time away. It may not be a long time away. Well, how are you going to exit, and what does that look like? And a lot of growth companies have a plan to exit shortly. You know, what is that going to look like, and are you planning ahead for that? Make sure you understand how you're going to get out of your business. And you know how you're going to collect your money if you do. Have you ever had somebody walk into your office and say, "I want my business to be dissolved when I die"? I mean, I don't want it to keep going. I want it to be done. That's unusual, but we have a lot of businesses. I met with a potential client a couple weeks ago, and you know they they have a business that's very centric on them, their personality. They are the prime service provider, very valuable business. They've built a good reputation in the market. People seek them out. They've got a long customer list, but they're really doing everything. And their thing was, well, when I die, this business goes away. And I said to them, why? You know, why don't you get some employees that are doing things your way and using your name and doing things in your stead? And then when you die, this business can continue. And they're like, well, we don't have any heirs. I'm like, well, would you like to give it to charity? Maybe you'd like to give a big lump sum to some charitable cause you care about. Why not? Yeah. Why, why, why give it away? But, you know, some people, that is their plan. And unfortunately... There's another subset of people who didn't have the plan to dissolve their company when they die, but that's what happens. Sure. Nobody knows how to take over the business. They don't have the customer relationships. The person dies and the business collapses. Which happens a lot. And then those kids are... Kids get nothing. Kids yeah, or, get nothing. Or if, even if you didn't want to leave it to your kids, you didn't have kids, the charity that you could have benefited doesn't get any money. Nobody gets anything. Number seven. Number seven. Get advisors. Who are you working with? Who's helping you oversee your business? You know, you're one person as a CEO. And you're probably going to have you're probably going to have some limited sight. You're going to be focused on the day to day. You're going to, you've got that next project you got to get done. You're trying to get the stuff out to your customers. I always tell people step back, get some advisors involved. People are going to help you see the broader picture. Whether it's friends or family, a lawyer, a, a confidant, a C, uh, you know, right. a CPA, somebody who no, understands you know money and you got to have other something. people involved. Let yeah. them use their specialty and let them advise you and let them understand your business. You don't yeah. have to go it alone. Sounds great. And then number eight. Yeah, get insurance. People don't think about what all their risks are. We Never. They, no one wants to spend money. Nobody they wants to spend money. money. I right. want to make money. Sean, but I don't know, want to spend money. I know, but we've seen tons of businesses where you know some uh, a tornado happens and you lock, knock out the plant. Well, how, how do you get back on your feet? I mean, you know, you've now got a major problem, and you've got to have something there to, to protect you. The employee, we talked about that earlier, you know, making sure the money doesn't go away. Well, what if the employee steals your money? Do you have insurance that's going to cover you? Yeah. It happens. Does it? Yeah. And, the, and there's, there's insurance for everything now, isn't it? You can insure... Most things. There's some, there's some things that are hard to insure, but, you know, uh, most things you can get insurance for. Okay. You can get cyber insurance. It's a big one now. Is, Which you know, one? Cyber, cyber insurance. insurance sure. In case somebody hacks your website and steals your customer list or whatever. That's a good one to get into. Yeah. And it's a big thing. Insurance companies are trying to get awareness out there. A lot more people are buying it, but, you know, it, it's something you Is it inexpensive? About. Is it reasonably priced? It is reasonably priced right now. Of course, the insurance companies, you know, talking to insurance, insurance is always based on un underwriting, right? They have these records oh, yeah, and how many people... There's no, how do you underwrite cyber insurance? How do you quantify the risk? It's, right. a, it's a new area, so. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And then um, number nine. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't have all your stuff concentrated on one customer or supplier. So we see this happen in business. They start growing, they start going through things, and you know, one customer becomes their biggest customer. And that will get you somewhere. And we've seen businesses where they're basically a subsidiary of another big business. Sure. Well, what if that customer's 80% of your sales stops using you? Like Twitter. Yeah. I mean, Twitter can't, can't grow. You can't do anything on Twitter but Twitter to people. They right. have a certain amount of words you can say to somebody. Yep. You can have followers, but that's it. You right. can't really advertise. You can't really do anything. Yeah, it's a little more limited. Right? They're going to run out. Yeah. It's never going to become an IPO. I don't know. I mean, it's got a lot of people. Somebody would have to rejigger that model for Twitter in order to make it you know, more valuable. How do you put ads in there? Yeah. I'm sure you could. I mean, Facebook's doing it. You just take that data from the 140 characters and... And throw you know, it in analyze there. Analyze right? it and then send them an ad that's applicable to them. That's probably a good idea. Well, uh, Twitter, try it. We yeah. don't know. But if you get the idea, call uh, R. Sean McBride because he's going to help you. Send me some dividends. Number 10. Plan for litigation. A lot of people don't think about this. You know, you, If you're growing a business and you get to a certain size, guess what? You're going to get sued. I, I hate to tell you that, but you know, people sue it. And people they see, see money. They see money. So plan for it. Have those, have those great records. Understand your business. Understand your risk points. Make sure you know what you're going to do if you do get sued. What's the biggest suit company out there? Retail? Um, intellectual property, you know, technology companies. That okay. is a huge area. How do you sue a technology company? Always intellectual property infringement. So Explain. Okay, so um, you design some piece of code, and 
You know, then somebody uses that on the iPhone or they use it on the Android, and then they start suing each other. Texas Instruments makes some, you know, chip, and then somebody needs that chip, so they use it. Or they make a similar chip, but it's too close to the other chip. So a lot of these people are out there suing each other because the software is too close to the other one, the chip's too close to the other one. It's very technical stuff, but there's tons of these lawsuits going on. That's it's like huge. bottled water suing each other. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just, it's just bottled water in a different package. Right. It's like, well, you know, Apple and Samsung are suing each other constantly because they each claim that they're stealing each other's intellectual property. I mean, they're just, it goes on all the time. All the time. People yeah. just write checks to each other and here, here, Yeah, they go to court. They go back and forth. It's just, it's constant. It's a whole industry. There's, it, there's an interesting and there's sub... A, there's okay. a, a sub-industry out there called patent trolls. And they'll go, to, they'll go to universities and other people have developed patents. They'll find a patent that's been sitting on a shelf that nobody's been using for 20 or 30 years. They buy the patent, and then they start looking for anybody that might be using something similar, and then they go out and sue them. Seriously? Yeah. It's a whole industry. And there's lawyers that do this, and there's companies that buy these patents. It's a whole industry called patent trolls. Patent trolls. Yeah. Uh, people are doing that right now. Yeah. It's a job. Where? And all over the U.S.? All over, all over the world. And it gets sued in a lot. It, it, the interesting thing about intellectual property is they all get sued in certain places. There are certain districts, like uh, the Eastern District of Texas is a big one. Like Marshall, Texas, a little town off of I-20, has like, you know, a ton of patent litigation because they bring it into this small town with these juries that, you know, are based in small towns and they're doing these huge complex cases. But these people buy these patents and then they go out and sue. And then think about it from the side of, side of Samsung. You get sued by a patent troll, somebody who bought a patent, they allege that you violated their patent, and then they'll send you a letter and they say, you can give me $100,000, or if you don't give me $100,000, I'm going to keep suing you, and you're probably going to spend $300,000 in legal defense costs. Just try to stop me. So okay. it might make more sense for you to pay me $100,000 and spend $300,000 $300, with your lawyers. That's patent troll, that's patent bullying. Yeah, patent bullying. Just basically what it is. Yeah. Plain and simple. But it's legal and, and, and no problem. It's legal, it happens. And it's, it's, it's the fault of the person who is using the patent that just didn't follow up, they didn't figure it out. They didn't right, it's, well, it's, it's litigation, and it's people that are using litigation for, you know, to make money for themselves. Sean, what made you want to write this book? What made you say, hey, I want to give out my information for fourteen ninety five dollars uh, on paperback? What, what made you want to do this? There's mistakes we see, and it's just too common. Um, unfortunately, we see business owners miss these. And I tell people, this is a 10-point list. It goes into some detail on how to do 10 points. Guess what? You as a business owner, you might be eight, doing eight, nine of them. That ninth or tenth one that you're not doing so well, if you fix that, you're going to save yourself a lot of money in the future. It's like 65 pages of goodness. Yeah. You can really, you can, you, you, it's, you a read the, read. it's a quick read. Read it, buy it. Uh, how can they find it? It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon right now. Yep. Google you, it right now. Yep. And and if, don't forget, if you, if you Google it on Amazon, uh, you might find it on Facebook because they, they might find you. They might find it. Or you can go to McBrideBook.com okay. and it profiles this book. And the idea of it is just to help people out there who, who may not know who are starting a dot-com, who are starting a small business, who don't know what they're doing. They just think, right. you know, they, they, they look at other people, hey, they did it online, I just started, and I yeah. start, because they make it sound so easy. I just started, you, you, you buy an internet, I mean, you buy yeah. a dot-com from GoDaddy, mm -hmm. or you create a dot-com from GoDaddy, then you go to a place where you can make a little website, make a right. little web page, and then, great, buy my product. Yeah, and I mean, people need to learn that there's a little bit more to it. A little more to it. And these are, this will help you with some of those things you need to do to make sure you're running a real business, you're protecting yourself from liability, and you're making a business that's going to last and create value. You being a lawyer, you, you chose 12 states, or did this 12 states choose you? I mean, how did you, first of all, you start off in Maryland, got your license in Maryland, and then where'd you go? Well, no, slight correction to that. I grew up in Maryland, was raised in Maryland, knew I wanted to be a business lawyer. When I came out of law school, Maryland was not a thriving corporate law practice state, believe it or not. Okay. So I got recruited to Delaware. You would think so. so, so I went right next you door. would think so because it was right next to D.C., but yeah. Yeah, went right next door to Delaware. Okay. And so I started my career in Delaware. So did you pass the bar, did you pass the bar in Maryland and Delaware? I passed the bar in Delaware. Just Delaware at that okay. point. And then I went from Delaware to D.C. Okay, good move, yeah. D.C. to Texas. Good move, yeah. And then I, I worked for some other people, and at some point, about 10 years into my career, I decided I would start my own law firm. And when I did, then I started getting telephone calls from friends. They were like, oh, now that you're not in that big, huge firm, you're more approachable. We'd like to hire you for this project. And so first, I was Maryland. People from Maryland, where I grew up, were like, hey, can you represent me? So I had to go get a Maryland license. Sure. And then I had um, a lot of contacts in New York, New York City. And they said, well, if you got a New York license, we could possibly work with you on some New York stuff. So it just kind of was, it was, it was the be, supply and demand. Yeah, because you people needed start, to. People started asking me to help them with different projects, you know, and I started adding them, Colorado, California. 
Do you have a goal? Because I don't know, I don't know if I haven't looked it up, and, and, and you need to help me with this. Is there a lawyer out there who can practice in all 50 states? And, and, if, and if not, why don't you be the first? Not that I'm aware of. Well, it's an administrative burden. It's it's is costly. It? We have to pay every state each year. Oh. Uh, you know, and there's compliance forms. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. Okay. So you're paying the state licensing authorities every year to keep your license current. Oh, they have boy. compliance paperwork you have to do. So it would be administratively burdensome to have all 50 licenses. Be uh, cool, so but really expensive. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the okay. So from there, you decided to do that, and you, why did you choose Texas as your home base? Um, I, I got recruited to a large law firm. I was working for a law firm in D.C. In, back in 2008, and the recession was hitting. There was some internal fighting in that law firm, you know, a partnership dispute. And that's one of the things I'm very sensitive about. Anyway, that partnership dispute laid, led them to a financial failure, and they sent notices out to all the employees, gave them 30 days' notice. Eight years, they still haven't paid some of those employees what they're owed. It was a terrible thing. So everybody left. Um, I was an employee there as an attorney. And I got recruited to go to so Texas. So they virtually stole from you. Stole from you know all it, of you. Yeah, it was an yeah. inadvertent thing. I mean, they well, they they didn't the min, the business fell apart, okay. and everybody lost. Not only did the owners lose, but the employees everybody, lost. Okay. It. And that's why we try to avoid that. That's one of the reasons I wrote this book. And then I got recruited from Delaware to I got recruited from D.C. to Texas at that point. And then and, and what part of Texas do you live in now? Dallas. Do you like it? I do. It's you, a good home base. Have you become a uh, a fan of the sports there and the and the communities and all that good stuff? Um, the Rangers. Yeah, they've worked, they've grown on me. Yeah, sure. I used to remember the Texas Rangers visiting the Orioles, and you know now <laughs> I've gone to a number of Rangers games, and uh, that's been fun. And sounds like their 22-year-old stadium is about to be replaced. So yeah, theirs and Atlanta's getting ready to do theirs, and yeah. uh, that would make that would make ours one of the old. That make that make uh, Colorado one of the oldest now. Isn't it interesting yeah, isn't how quickly that's happened? Twenty-something years old stadium. Yeah, outdated. Now. Like it's outdated. It's not, but we'll see what they do with Coors Field. You never know. But going going back to to choosing uh, and living in Dallas. Um, Dallas is a very clean city. I've been there. It's yep. an insanely clean city and, and very friendly and very outgoing. Um, a lot of changes are happening in Texas law and a yep. lot of changes are happening in law all over the country yep. uh, with things, you know, you know, with crazy things happening. Marijuana, for one. Uh, uh, liquor, uh, liquor is getting uh, you know, a little bit, little bit more uh, uh, different laws out there for them, too. But what's the biggest thing going on in Texas law right now? What's, what's, uh, what's the big changes? I think the big thing nationally, especially in my practice area, has been the crowdfunding yeah. phenomenon. You know, they're, they're, they're experimenting with laws of how to allow companies to get more money easily. And uh, there's a lot of adjustment going on there. People are excited about crowdfunding. They're starting to find the rules are a little more difficult than they thought. You know, so there's been a lot of flux for that. Isn't crowdfunding just basically going on Facebook? And I mean, I could go on Facebook. I have 1,200 friends, and I know all of them. I could just ask them all for five bucks. I mean, isn't that basically what crowdfunding is? In a way, can you please send me? You know, is it? It's not illegal. I could. All, I mean, it was illegal to do it through the mail. Yeah. Like if I if I asked you, if I asked twelve hundred people for five dollars to the mail. That's not illegal anymore. What was that? You know, not that simple. It depends. It's a crowdfunding is a securities exemption. We talked earlier about how, you know, securities offerings apply to even small companies. You need to comply with security law. Crowdfunding is a way of getting a securities exemption. It's a way of not having those securities laws apply to you, but you have to comply with the conditions of the crowdfunding rules. And part of that is you have to go through a portal. You have to hire this agent who, where you talk about your crowdfunding, and then the investors go there to find you. So it has to be done a very particularized way. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, there's so many different things going on in the world of law. Also, how about political law uh, with, with, uh, with Texas being, you know, always wanting to get out of the, get out of the country yeah. uh, after every election? Uh, political law is is there is there things that are, are going on there that uh, we're not aware of when it comes to the NRA? It seems like the NRA has got a, a big hold on Texas. Um, is there anything that you can share with us about that? I don't have anything in particular, you know, on that topic. It's just that's always something that's sensitive. You know, I think there's a lot of tension right now. There's been a lot of gun activity, so of course we're seeing that's hot in the politics now. People are trying to figure out what's right. You've got the Second Amendment versus mm -hmm. the states trying to regulate it, and there's some tension. Texas did recently go to open carry. They did. Yes, and Montana has it too. Yep. So I mean, there is it's happening, right? And we'll see what happens. I mean, Texas is a huge state. It's a, people follow what Texas does, and people follow what things things are. Is the marijuana? Is anybody talking about marijuana down there? You know, people are are starting to rumble that it may happen at some point. Um, you know, there was a there was an event there not a couple weeks ago where you know suppliers to the marijuana industry actually chose to do a conference in in Texas because they think that that may be a future market. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out a lot of things. And you can find you can find Arshel McBride on his uh, webpage. Just tell us again how you can find you. Sure, McBrideAttorneys.com for the law firm, 
Arshon McBride Live for my speaking activities. McBride Book, if you want to see my book. And he's also on Facebook. You can uh, hang out there. You can go on Amazon right now, the Business Blunders, 10 Dangerous Business Mistakes, and How You Can Protect Your Business So You Can Thrive by Arshon McBride. And is it on special on Amazon, or is it $14.95 there, too? It's $14.95 currently. Okay. We may be having a... The Kindle version is cheaper. Okay, and sure, and sure. In a couple of weeks, we'll be having a promotion with the Kindle. It's a lot of fun. Well, I can't thank you enough for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Are you ready for Rob's Fast Five questions? Yes. Okay, here we go. When, when it came to being a lawyer... What's the strangest business you've ever helped create? Strangest business. Like somebody coming there and I'm going to, you know, what's the weirdest? Um, and if it's a graveyard, that's not that weird. No, we help some people create a, a lighting product that you can like stick on your head. So. What? <laughs> like a, a like light, a, like a, a light that you can mount on your head. Just, just, yeah. I mean, I've seen the little strap ones, but this is yeah. just. This well, it's got the strap. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. And it, and it glows. That's, that is it just helps you see when, <laughs> when you want to keep your hands free. I mean, it, it does make sense, but it, you know, you think about it in the abstract of a light that you stick on your head. What's the weirdest one you've ever said no to? You're like, no, that's never going to happen. I'm not doing that. Uh, I had a client one time who wanted to falsify some records. That was a very quick and easy decision. They were actually a client at the time, and then they're like, oh, we can just destroy this record. And I'm like, you're not uh, my client anymore. Yeah, see ya, bye. I'm not losing my license over you. Yeah. How many times uh, when, you, when you're thinking about you know, new laws, have you ever thought about running uh, for politics? I mean, obviously, things like, it's, it seems like every lawyer's dream to kind of get into some sort of politics to help people, help the masses. Have you ever thought about that? I found politics to be interesting, but it's never been for me. I've never, I don't mind being in the light. I mean, I'll stand up on a stage and speak, and I love talking to people. I love coming out and promoting the book. You love being a teacher. Right. I'm, I'm an educator. I, I like being in front of people. But you know, being in the political process has just never really excited me that much. What's your favorite dessert? Chocolate, chocolate cake. Anything chocolate? Yeah. Or chocolate cake? Chocolate cake. Well, chocolate. anything chocolate. I mean, I love chocolate. Chocolate, sure. chocolate cake. Chocolate cake is it. Um, what are you most proud of right now in your life? What we've built. We've built a law firm and a, and a, a speaking business that gets the word out to people. I mean, I, I found myself in this. You know, I'm an educator. I like teaching people. I kind of lost that for a while working for the big law firms, and it's come back. And we're helping people. We're helping them achieve these business dreams. How many people in your law firm now? How many, how many different law, how many We lawyers? have a total of four lawyers. Okay. And then we've got a couple of legal assistants. That's awesome. That's a nice size. Yeah. It's a nice size. It's a perfect little size. Yeah. Have you ever thought about being, doing, a, doing a reality show? Have you ever called them up and say, hey, come, 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 come watch us do our law? I haven't. It's, it's, kind of fun. it's an interesting idea. Yeah. It'd be fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, because people don't know. Right. And, be, and it's real stuff. You're doing real stuff. It's not like this housewife's junk. You know, this you is, watch a bunch of housewives. This is real, and you know, it's it's life. And these people have dreams, and they want to build businesses. And we're we're trying to figure out how to get them there, where they want to be. In your professional opinion, has Jerry Jones had had um, Botox or or any type of <laughs> any type of you know plastic surgery? Like Joe Jerry Jones is the owner of the Dallas oh, yeah, Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, folks. Yeah. Just in case people don't know. You know, I've seen him in person. <laughs> I don't think he looks his age. <laughs> Looks kind of fake, doesn't he? I've seen him walk into a restaurant in Dallas, and I don't think he looks his age. I thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute treat. Thanks for coming to Colorado. Thanks, Kim Tracy, for helping make this happen. Uh, we are having a blast. We've had a blast with you tonight uh, with uh, R. Sean McBride. Thanks again for being here. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you to listen, laugh, and talk as much as you can. Wake up every day with a purpose to do good things for people and yourself, just like Sean McBride does, and you never know. You might be in downtown Denver at the historical original Brooklyn's on our show, The Topic of Conversation. I'm Rob Scoggins, your host. Have a great day and good night. What's your name? So it begins. It's okay If this is where it ends
So we love